carry on talking for a minute in regard to I would encourage you also if you want to take up the opportunity to go on a missions trip, go with Nolan Avon. You will never regret it. I did it many years ago and just it was awesome. Loved the food, loved the people and loved the ministry. It was absolutely awesome. And they look after you, they teach you some Thai words, especially where to go and find the bathroom or ask somebody else. It's probably one of the ones that I can remember, I think. Nah, gone. Hey. Oh, I'm UTI. Whatever. Yes. Swatika. And just also, just probably the celebration box. I didn't, I missed that before just because I knew I was getting up anyway. Um, last Sunday night, I had a terrible night. I had terrible pain in my leg running from down here, down the leg, hardly slept. Um, did go up, got some anti-inflammatory uh, anti drugs. But Wednesday night, um, we were here for the prayer meeting and I was prayed for and like it just the level of healing just went up another notch. It's absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, it was just a repetition of getting up and down and doing stuff like that that I've actually strained something down on my hip and then I had an x-ray and they try and proclaim, well they don't, they, they say that I have osteoarthritis in my hip, which I'm not going to accept that because I don't have any pain or anything from that will break those symptoms off in Jesus' name. And that's another part as well. Wednesday, Tuesday night with Cleansing Stream, we had Speak Words of Life and it's absolutely awesome teaching. Um, those that were there absolutely loved it. And it always brings conviction as well. Um, even in the way that we might say things and we say, oh, we're only joking. We've got to be really careful in what we actually say and what it does to other people's lives as well. So in that light, let's pray. We thank you, Father, that, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, will be acceptable in your sight. I thank you, Lord, that as I bring this word today, that, Lord, it will bring life, it will bring liberty, it will bring healing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And we should have, yes, the God revealed. So we're going to continue in the theme of God revealed. And if you have your Bible with you, if you want to turn to Judges chapter 6, don't rely on John to give people all the scriptures because he's only given Gwenda the one scripture because I've got so many. Not that we're going to flick through too fast anyway. So Judges chapter 6, verses 23 to 24. And this is the Lord speaking to Gideon. But the Lord said to him, Peace, or Shalom, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace, Jehovah Shalom. And to this day it stands in Ophrah of the Abraham. Abazarites. Now, you always wonder about when it says to this day, is it actually still standing? But in the time when this was written, it would have still been standing. And I did a little bit of archaeological um, thing just to see what people might say about it. Um, but there are certain sites that they have found altars that date back to the time of, of sacrifice and horn altars. Um, fairly well decayed, some of them, pictures that I've seen, 
So he has four, four horned altars, but one guy who was really into archaeology and he found one not very far away from the house that he lives in. It was only a few hundred metres away that, um, where, where he found this um, altar. Now, that's just an aside, because today we're talking about Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And now the root word of Shalom is Shalom. And when it's one of the first uses of it is found in Exodus 21 and 22, where it's used 14 times. And then when you go and have a read of it, you'll find that it's interpreted in different manners. So Moses is giving instructions to the people there in those chapters about what to do when someone causes material loss or theft of property. And when that loss or injury occurs, the owner is considered lacking or not complete. The one responsible was to make things right. So like in Exodus 21-22, Shalom is translated as make it good, shall surely pay, make full restitution, or to restore. Now the ancient Hebrew meaning of Shalom was to make something whole. And just another aside, the Arabic word for peace is Salam, which sounds very similar and refers to a hope of world peace and the end of war. But meanwhile, the word shalom, and built off the root word shalom, is peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. And it can be used to mean both hello and goodbye. And then there's another definition that I heard a guy, it was um, Chris Gore and uh, Nelson, saying shalom is not just a word, it is the spirit who destroys chaos that brings authority. I thought, well, that really, really is powerful, and words are powerful. And that's why the Word of God brings life and why it brings liberty. But just to bring things into context, um, let's, we'll just skim through the start of Judges chapter 6. So that's why I asked you to open up your Bibles, and we'll just go through some of these verses. So bring it back into context. In verse 1, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. And when the Midianites came in, they raided the, well, whenever the Israelites planted their cops, um, the Midianites and the Amalekites and others invaded the country. They camped in the land and they ruined the, took all the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. Now that's a fairly heavy judgment that the Lord's given upon the, the nation of Israel, that these people would come through and take everything, take the crops, take um, the sheep and the cattle. And they came up with their livestock and then tents like swarms of locusts. Yeah, swarms of locusts, that's... Thousands upon thousands of people coming through the land. And just, you know, like locusts, just eat everything as they go and leave the land barren, leave it bare. And it says here in verse 6, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. I think you'd be pretty desperate, and that's what you would be doing if nations were going through and just ripping everything off you. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the hand of slavery. 
I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you die, but you have not listened to me. So the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So here's a guy hiding out in a wine press, and God comes along to him and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So his knees start trembling. He said, Pardon me, Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where is all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and he said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. And he just confessed that he's the weakest, that he's the smallest within. But pardon me, my Lord, he cried, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And then that's when the Lord answered him, I'll be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now when you think about it, it's like a swarm of locusts coming through the land, and he's going to leave none alive. Just get this, think about this in the context of these words that the Lord speaks to him. And of course, Gideon goes on if say, Now, if I've found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I'll wait until you return. So Gideon went off, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast, and putting the mead in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. And then the Lord gives him these instructions. He said, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. So he didn't eat of it. He just asked him to pour out the broth. Gideon's gone and spent, I don't know how long it's going to take to prepare a goat and to make a broth and to bake some bread. Now he's away for a while. So you would think that the person that's there waiting would be getting a bit hungry. Gideon would have been, no doubt. And then he sees it being tipped out were asked to tip it out. The meat's put on a rock. Anyway, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock. It came from the rock. Consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Boom. So Gideon's, yeah, yeah, Gideon's been slaving away, getting all his food ready, and then this guy zaps it, or the rock bursts into flame. And the broth's been poured out, and the, the meat and the bread get consumed. And when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he explained, exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But then verse 23, but the Lord said to him. Now, the angel of the Lord's disappeared. So this voice must have come to him and said to him, well, God said, the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Now that's a pretty good statement to make to somebody you're telling to go and clean out all the Midianites and the Amalekites or whoever else is coming through the land. 
don't be afraid, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abazites. You know, when you think about it, he built an altar. Now, it's not going to take five minutes to build an, build an altar as well. Now, so Gideon's been slaving away, getting food prepared just to see it burnt up. And then in response to what the Lord says to him, he builds an altar. And at the time of writing of the book of Judges, that was still standing. So when you go through into chapter 7, you'll find there God gives Gideon instructions on how to defeat the Midianites. He tells him how to select his army and send them off to war. And the victory, the victory is brought about by the Lord who caused the Midianites to turn against each other. Then as they are fleeing, other tribes of Israel are called out to pursue them. So why am I laboring on this point, you may ask? Well, back to our text in 6, 23 and 24. The Lord said to Gideon, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So God is speaking into Gideon's life, yet he's sending him off to war. He's saying, Shalom, I'm looking out for your welfare. You're not going to die, I'll give you tranquility. And in light of what happened in the Midian camp in uh, chapter 7, verse 22, where the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. And that's where I think God is not only the spirit who destroys chaos that brings authority, but he caused chaos in the camp to bring about victory to the Israelites. So in the midst of war and of chaos, God brings us peace that is beyond understanding. He brings us tranquility. And shalom, peace, actually communicates the presence of someone. Wholeness, safety, completeness, complete and unbroken relationship with God. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So God will keep us in perfect peace if our minds are steadfast because we trust in him. There's little equations in there. You've got to do the trusting for God to, and have your mind steadfast for God to bring you that peace. So trust in him. In John 14, 27 Jesus takes it a little step further. As a gift from himself to his disciples, he makes a clear distinction. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. So I ask a question, who did Jesus leave with us? The Holy Spirit. None other than the Holy Spirit. God of peace himself. And Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if we have the Holy Spirit within us and working in our lives, if we have our minds steadfast on him and trust in him, he 
will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So if we are getting ourselves into a deep, dark hole of depression or, or thinking we're worthless and hopeless and whatever the enemy's lies might be trying to come in, speak peace into your life. Speak shalom into your life. And confess those scriptures. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind. And that's where the biggest battlefield is against the enemy is in our minds. And if we can speak peace into our minds when turmoil comes, when the enemy tries to come in and drop in lies, that you're not, you're not anything, you're, not worth, you're worthless, you're just a sinner, you're hopeless. When those lies are coming in, that's when you take a stand and saying, no, I'm a child of the living God. I'm the son of the king. I'm created in his image. He is my Lord. He will guard my mind. And I speak to you, enemy. I command those lies to be cut off in Jesus' name. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Paul ends his letter to them. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. So all times. Here's a salutation, an end of a a letter. And he's saying, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. That is available to us, to each and every one of us. His peace he's given to us. And it is beyond understanding. We can't understand it. But if we accept that, if we accept who Christ is in our lives, that he is the Lord of peace, that whatever the turmoil, whatever the circumstances that are going on in our lives, he will bring peace. He will cut off that turmoil off our lives. It's quite distinctive. One time I was walking around the yard at work and it was just circumstances and situations that were going on. I just felt like an anxiety attack and I'm not one that gets really anxious I'm fairly laid back I'm pretty much horizontal most of the time um, <laughs> he's come and visited me in my stressless chair yeah, see me lying back it's very rare that anybody else is allowed in my chair eh James yeah. But I was walking around the yard on one particular time and I just actually felt this anxiety coming up that I can't do these tasks, I can't complete all this, I can't get my get the work done so that everything will be ready for these people to come and collect and do this and do that or whatever. And I had to, as I was walking back towards the office, just outside where Pete actually works in the trust factory, I was just going, Lord, I can't do this, I can't handle this, I don't want this. And it's just knowing that that anxiety just falls off. Because if we can confess that we can't do it, instead of trying to do it in our strength, but do it in his strength, then that gets cut off. But back to that verse. The Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. If we think about that in every way, in every situation, no matter where we're in, whatever the enemy is trying to do in our lives or other people's lives, we can be peacemakers in those situations. Because in Matthew 5 verse 9 it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Because peacemakers 
carry an inward sense of fullness through relationship with God. And out of that flows the ability to bring peace into situations. So being people, you peacemakers, people, you peacemakers, who bring justice instead of injustice, bring compassion to the brokenhearted, bring comfort to the hurting, repair brokenness in this world by making wrong things right. So who inspires us to do those things? Jesus and none other than the Holy Spirit. And the Father. Because we're talking about the God of peace and this is our God, our Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Psalm 34 is worth reading in the light of this, but I just want to share verse 14 where it says, Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Search for peace. Work to maintain it. Love peace and pursue it. Pursue it with the people around us so that we will have peace with God, peace of God, and peace with others. Are we prepared to be peacemakers? Sometimes it can mean confronting. Sometimes it can mean standing out there and dying to self. But knowing that as the Lord said to Gideon, peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. Because reality is, even if we are earthly bodies do get killed, we know where we're going. We know who we're going to be with. Yeah. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 said, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great prayer to actually pray over people? May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. Let the God of peace make you holy through and through so that your soul and your body will be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely awesome promises that are in his word. Philippians 4.9 Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So whatever you've read in the word, any of Paul's writings, because he's using himself as an example, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And let us be those books that people will look at, that we will have the courage to get up and say, hey, whatever you've heard me say, whatever you've seen in me, put it into practice. Because why? Because it equals the fact that the God of peace will be with you. There's just so many scriptures in regard to the peace and the peace of God. Um. I don't know about you, but I'm standing here and I'm feeling the peace of God even speaking out, which it always can make you a little bit shaky sometimes. But he gives us that peace. He gives us the authority. He gives us the power 
and the anointing as long as we surrender to him and say, Lord, have your will and your way in my life. So we're going to have a little bit of practice this morning. I'd just like the musicians to come up and play quietly, please. And if anybody wants, they can come up for prayer at any time as well. So in Israel today, when you greet someone or say goodbye, you say shalom. You're literally saying, may you be full of well-being, or may health and, be, and prosperity be upon you. So part of our practice this week, I'd actually encourage you to read Psalm 34 and have a look in there. Turn from evil and do good, even just the little things, the little white lies, the little whatever. Seek peace and pursue it. So I'd encourage you to stand this morning. And as I close, I encourage you to seek fresh encounters with God. That no matter what the circumstances of your lives, I speak shalom over you. May you be full of well-being. May you be healthy and prosperous. And part of our practice this week, Matthew 5.44, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Luke 6.28, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 3, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour. And in the words of Paul, 2 Corinthians 13, 11 to 14, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Verse 12 is a, is a little issue in these days. Greased one another with a holy kiss. This was written, COVID didn't exist, but it still applies for today. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Know that he is our peace. He is our healer. He watches out for us. And if we profess our love to one another, the God of love and peace will be with you. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And I encourage you that if there is any need in your life, anything you would like prayer for this morning, any words that I have spoken this morning that you want proclaimed over your life, please, the front is open for prayer. And thank you, team.